You're listening to the No Labels, No Limits podcast with best-selling author Sarah Box, where you get the inside scoop on the steps action takers and decision makers take to align their purpose to their principles and achieve their goals in business and life. We focus on the mantra, no labels, no limits, no excuses. Each week, you'll hear from remarkable guests who have overcome challenges and obstacles to succeed in the face of adversity. By listening to their stories, you'll get practical tips, tools, and resources you can implement today to bust through your own internalized prisons of worry and doubt. And now, without further ado, please welcome your commanding coach with plenty of chutzpah and heart, Sarah Box. Welcome to this episode of the No Labels, No Limits podcast, a podcast all about helping action takers and decision makers like you align their purposes to their principles and achieve their goals in business and life. Hi, I'm Sarah from Sarah Box Coaching and Consulting, and I'm here to tell you that the life you want is possible with the right support, mindset, and strategy. On today's podcast, we are joined by Terry Johnson. Terry was a featured speaker on the Assess for Success Grow and Retain Top Talent in Nonprofit Organizations Virtual Summit, and she was a hit. We decided to share her presentation with our No Labels podcast audience because I believe the information she shared is valuable for every action taker and decision maker, regardless of where you work or spend your time. Let me tell you a bit more about Terry. Terry helps business leaders, managers, and employees improve performance, effectiveness, and engagement through personal development workshops and coaching. One of her significant contributions is helping to develop leaders who inspire innovation and high performance in their teams. Her goal is always to help people do what they do best at work and in life by stepping confidently into the roles in which they have evolved. So to create and sustain high-performance culture within an organization, Terry uses the research-based concepts of strengths-based development and employee engagement. Her clients have come from companies such as Microsoft, IBM, Mobile, the City of Redmond, Morin Associates, and Boeing. And that's what made her stand out for me when I was selecting Summit speakers. In this episode, Terry talks about how we can apply strengths in the workplace. You'll hear how to use individuals' natural strengths and talents to increase profit, productivity, and engagement, how leaders can understand their own strengths and talents to increase their team and organization results, what happens in personal relationships outside the workplace when people know and use their strengths well, and you'll find out what happens the dark side from overusing a strength. Oh, and by the way, in case you're interested, her top five strengths are strategic, maximizer, self-assurance, relator, and ideation. And I think that comes through in her conversation as we learn about applying strengths in the workplace. Welcome, and I want to thank you, Terry Terry Johnson, for being a speaker for us today and for helping us understand how our strengths can be leveraged and show up in the workplace 
and other areas of our life more powerful. You know, as someone who's taken Strengths Finder, I remember getting the results and thinking, that's a lot of great information. And just understanding a little bit about myself and then thinking, what, how do I use that with my team or other things? It can be overwhelming. So can you start by talking a little bit about when we get the results, maybe where we start or how to think about the work? Sure. First of all, thank you for having me because I love talking about strengths. I think it opens up so many possibilities and so many doors for us. So this is one of my favorite topics. And you're right. It it can be overwhelming to people when they first get that report and think, well, where do I start? What do I do? So one of the places that I like to start with people is helping them understand themselves first and maybe look at their top 10 if they've downloaded the full 34 report. Some people, I I think Gallup has changed it now. I think everybody, when you, when you uh, buy, a code, it's for the full 34, but there was a time when you could just download the top five for a lesser price. Um, So we start by looking at that and looking at what are the contributions of that strength. So what does it mean that I have, like for me, my, my number one is strategic thinking. And what does that mean? What does that mean to my family? What does that mean to any group or team I'm part of? And we, so we look at the contributions that that strength brings. And each strength brings not only a contribution, but it brings needs with it. So, so for instance, with strategic thinking, I want to know what the big picture is. You know, I don't want to get too granular until I know where we're headed from, from like the 40,000 foot view. So we look at what, what do they need to be at their best? And then we, we look at, and what is the lens that they see through? Like, how do they see the world? And, and to continue with that example of strategic thinking, I think one of the things that um, is helpful to the people that I work with is that strategic thinking lens for me is recognizing relevant patterns in everything. And I can help people connect the dots who don't easily see that. So does that make sense, Sarah? It does. It makes perfect sense. It, of course, raises a lot of other questions for me. But um, so let's let's step back then and think, okay, I'm running an organization. I could be small or I could have a number of a large team of staff. Um, and I may be the person, though, wearing many hats who's also responsible for keeping my eye on the HR or the culture. Right, the culture of the organization. So even before we get into thinking about what are people's strengths, if I had not taken StrengthsFinder, but I thought, you know, this feels like a fit or it might be a fit, can you just do a little bit of the thought and the science behind it? I know you've been studying this for many years and using it with clients for many years. So can you give us a bit of a framework for the um, tool, and then we can talk a little bit more about how that um, could be rolled up so organizations can leverage the strengths that they have already. Okay, so this is going to be especially significant to those people who have the strength of analytical because they are all about the numbers and the data. 
And Gallup has done an amazing job of gathering data from all over the world for the people who have taken strengths. Um, the StrengthsFinder assessment. And one of, the, one of the figures that was really interesting to me is that the, the odds of someone else having your top five in the same order that you have them are one in 33 million people. So we really are unique, just like that, you know, that the thumbprint or the snowflake, there's not, there's not anybody else out there just like you, you're unique. Um, but Gallup has done a really good job and they make it, they make it very accessible. They share their research freely. So you can go to the Gallup website and just type in research and look at all of their white papers, all the numbers that they've gathered. Um, really is a phenomenal amount of information and you can go as deep into that as you want to. So when is the right time for an organization to apply StrengthsFinder? Is there a right size, a right developmental stage? You know, I, I think it's valuable no matter what stage you're in. And the reason is because the number one complaint I get from people who manage or lead other people is the, the people issues, you know, the drama. You, we hear about drama on a team. And understanding your team members, whether you, whether you work, let's say you're an organization that has seven members in your whole organization, or you may have thousands, but no matter who your core team is, understanding how they operate, how they see the world, and what you can sort of lean into them for, what you can count on them for, diffuses the drama in those interactions. And I, I can give you an example if you like. I would love that. I think for those of us who are not leading with an, an analytical viewpoint, the example is helpful. Yeah. Let's say that your organization is rolling out a new idea, a new something, some initiative that you're going to do. and You've got six people in the room and you get to maybe the third piece of that idea that you're rolling out and Joe is up off his feet eager to get going and says I, I, I've got to go I want to I want to get moving on this right away and Sally over here is saying what are you talking about we don't even know all the pieces yet well Joe may have activator in his top strengths and activator means that he is he is really energized by taking action on ideas. And so when that spark hits Joe, he wants to get moving. He's, he's got that first action that he wants to take. And Sally may be deliberative. She may be somebody who really likes to take her time and think of a, a, an initiative from every angle. How would this affect these people? How would this affect our vendors? How would this affect our contributors? How would this affect us as a team? And so she likes to take her time and right away, if they didn't have that understanding about each other, they could come to loggerheads. You know, they could, they could get really dramatic and, and it could cause a problem. So, what I've seen in the teams that I work with is when teams understand that about each other, they'll say, go Joe, we'll fill you in on the details later. It's, it's like, uh, it just gives us a shorthand for working with each other. So if I'm understanding correctly, the 
purpose is to understand and to kind of leverage off of those strengths and not necessarily say to Joe, hey, you have to slow down because it makes Sally, who's more deliberative, stressed out. But to allow Joe to kind of rise up in his capacity um, to get things going. Right, to lean into his own strengths because the research shows that we're going to exponentially have success by operating from within that realm of natural talent, talent that you were born with. It, it's innate to you. That's what strengths are. They're the things that are so natural to you that you might even overlook them because you've always done it that way or, or seen it that way. So you don't even really count them as a, as a virtue or a contribution. You just think that's who you are. So, um, I, and I lost my place. <laughs> What were we talking about? Well, uh, that's okay with me because I like to kind of go with the, the conversation. But you were talking about like, does Joe have to fit in or do we just figure out as a group how to let him shine while the other folks who maybe need something different are getting those needs met? You know, I think that's a, it depends kind of question, but for the most part, the more we can allow people to operate in that realm of strength without putting constraints on them, the, the higher their performance is going to go. Um, and, and there's also an idea of a strength can be dialed up too high. And here's, here's an example that I have seen so far. Um, one of the ones that I, I love to see if there's a project that you really want someone to take ownership for is responsibility. If somebody has a strength of responsibility, I know it's going to get done. I don't have to follow up with them. I know because I've seen that strength in play enough times that it will get, they'll, they'll accomplish it. But I also know that there's a risk that responsibility can be dialed up too high. And when it's dialed up too high, people can take on too many things and have a hard time saying, no, my plate is full or not now. My plate is full. Come back to me in six weeks or come back to me whenever. So one of the things that when we're working with teams and individuals, we teach them how to really look at What's happening? Because according to Gallup, two thirds of all weakness is an overuse or an underuse of a strength. When we overuse our strengths, um, what are or are there telltale things? And you know, in the absence of someone saying, "Hey, Terry. Hey, Sarah," um, this feels like maybe it's an overuse. How would we recognize that in ourselves? Well, I think anytime you're, you're butting heads with other people, something is off a little bit. So somebody may have a strength dialed up. So in the example we used earlier, where Joe was on his feet, ready to go activate, ready to take action, it could be that Joe's activator strength is dialed too high. And, and in, in that case, you can just ask them, you know, can you hold on for five more minutes until we get all the steps out and then you're, you're good to go. So anytime there are, there's conflict, take a step back and, and look at what might be at play here. And there's, you know, there's some wonderful phrases, Sarah, that I like to use with people about um, 
how they're experiencing whatever it is that's happening. And you can look at somebody and I, I can say, Sarah, I know that you have strategic, very high in your strengths. Tell me how this idea that we're presenting looks through your eyes. What are you seeing? What do you see that's missing? And what's really valuable about that is a lot of times on a team, there's, there's short-sightedness on the decision-making, you know, because if one person's making a decision, they only have their point of view to draw from. I kind of believe that this whole uh, strengths understanding where none of us has all 34, right? Nobody has everything. And I believe that there is a creative designer out there, call it God, call it whatever you want to call it, that designed it that way so that we would partner with each other. And, and we could pull people together and say, you know what, I'm really good at the strategy piece, but I am not so great at the execution piece. So I need a partner, somebody that's really good at execution to come and hang with me or to, to talk to me a couple of times a week and check in about how many steps have I taken? Am I there yet? Am, what else do I need to, to pay attention to? So collaboration is one of the most exciting things about strengths that I, that I love. I love that piece of it. Well, let's dive into collaboration a little bit more. Um, so folks who live in the nonprofit sector or who get their funding through grants and foundation, you know, a number of things, that is actually one of the conversations over the past decade plus, right? People who are investing, they want to know that you're collaborating, that they're not just funding you in a silo, someone else next to you and doing duplicative work. So when, let's just say now we've got five or six organizations working on a collaborative um, project. Okay. And you've got the leaders of the organizations in the room. This I'm, this I'm trying to really think about how to roll this up and get people thinking broader. Because I think what you're talking about here is so powerful in looking at strengths, right? So we can look at um, kind of those objective measures of an organization's strengths, like financing, staff, those things. But it, this ability to step back and recognize and lift up other people's strengths so that together you get a better result um, brings to me the quest two questions. One is, would you use that in a group that is forming, right? So they may be like I'm describing this pod, a small pod that represents an extended group of people. So they are the leaders. Um, would you have them do something like strengths finders and personality wise to see where that would be, where that could be an impediment or a bonus to the relationship? You know, if I was bringing groups together like that, like especially when you said they might come from different organizations, I might do something that shows an interdependence model, a collaboration model. And if you can just imagine a diamond, and on the left side of the diamond, it's um, somebody who's at dependence, somebody who's waiting, they're not taking action, they're just kind of passive, they're waiting, waiting, waiting. So that's, nothing's gonna get done when somebody's at that. We, and we call those bottom three points of that diamond 
um, the toxic triangle. If you, if you go to the other side and you've got somebody that's tired of the waiting and they just think, okay, I'm just going to do this myself. I'm just going to operate independently. I'm just going to handle it. It feels really good for a minute or two, but then you've left your team behind. You've left your collaborators behind and you're serving you, but it's not serving the whole very well. And then at the bottom of that toxic triangle, you've got codependence, which is kind of transactional. It's like um, the meeting after the meeting where you complain about whatever was said or whatever decisions were made and you feel a little bit better because you joined somebody in there complaining, but that's not really serving the whole either. And so then at the top of that diamond, you've got interdependence. And at interdependence, I serve us so we can serve others. So it has that, that sense of deeper purpose at the apex. And that's the place where you want to reside with your strengths and with each other as, as an intact team and when you're collaborating with the community at large. That's one of the, um, I think, the most powerful pieces that I've seen in successful groups is when they're working together for a larger purpose beyond themselves as individuals or um, even their own organization, right? They're either doing it for a community level purpose or the people they serve. Right. There's something about that deeper purpose that calls us to a higher perspective. It calls us to a different place. You know, when we, when we know that we're serving something that's really deeply meaningful to all of us, um, we hold ourselves to a different standard, right? How do you support the folks who are, they just don't live there. Their heart may be there. I'm not saying they don't care, but that's not where they live, so to speak. And how do you include them in a team knowing, um, just knowing that's not where they want to start? So let me make sure that I understand your, your question. You've got somebody who has taken the assessment and they've got their report, but they don't really, they're, they're more about the action and they don't really know how to apply it. Maybe not even be all that interested in applying. They just want to get, get to whatever they're going to get to. Get to it. Right? Okay. Um, well, the good news is Gallup redid their, they recalibrated their report. So if you got your Strengths Finder report, your Clifton Strengths Finder report before September of 2018, you, you can go back to the Gallup site and download the updated one. And the reason you would want to do that is because it, it's very user friendly. And for, so for example, the first 10 of your strengths on the back side, it's like a, it's many pages, <laughs> but the first 10 have an individual page and on the back side of that page, like, so for me, for strategic, it has, here's how you can invest in this particular strength. And it has ideas for you, ways for you to invest in that strength. And you might just take one action item. And it also has something that I think is hugely valuable, especially if you lead anybody or if you do work as part of a team. And here are potential blind spots. Because we all have blind spots. We all have things that we just can't see they're so innate to us that we just don't see them and we don't see how they impact other people. 
And so a person, you know, if I were working with somebody who had just taken their assessment, I would say, let's take a look at your top, you know, three or four, five, whatever, and see where you'd like to start because they'll recognize where they want to experiment with taking action to really invest in that strength and make it even better. So when we use the word invest in a strength, are the things that we're investing in, do they all have cost attached to them? And the reason I'm asking this is some of the organizations may be very small, like you, the example you gave, maybe it's a team of seven, right? We're not in the thousands yet. It's a smaller team. And on the back of their strength, it says you can invest in these. But where the investment is may not be a priority for either the organization or the leader of the organization in the short term. So I guess what I'm asking is, are these things people can do on their own in the event that it's not going to be something driven or like uh, an initiative within the organization? Oh, right. These, these are very personal to that, that person. They're individualized to that person. And it can be something as simple as um, I'm working right now with a vice president of a healthcare organization and his team got back with him and all of them have, uh, you know, under, undergone the strengths assessment. And so they feel safe in talking to him, giving him candid feedback. And they said in our meetings, you're having a hard time getting to the point fast enough. And could you, could you just not ramble? <laughs> so we took on, or he took on with, you know, in our coaching conversation on his commute home, he's practicing taking a complex point because he works in technology, um, taking a complex point and, and just giving the shortened version. And then he practices with his wife at home. So that's an example of investing in a strength. He's investing in his communication strength. Does Which, that make sense? It makes perfect sense. Um, because I think sometimes that it can be perceived that the investment has to be um, externally provided for us. Like you have to go to a class or this is what we're gonna do as a team versus someone taking the initiative and in this case to say, here's something tangible I can do and practice that I will, I will invest in that for myself, which ultimately then helps the rest of the team. Right, right. So it's just little bite-sized things that you can do to have your strengths show up even more powerfully. What is the case for doing something like this? Is there a tangible um, I know you talked about people being able to be more um, productive, but mm -hmm. is there a tangible um, result, if you will, whether it's an HR terms or some other term, that basically if it were I trying to make the point, I could say, no, here's why we need to do it. This is what's been shown, and this is why this investment is not frivolous. We need to do this. Right. There is. There are lots of numbers on the Gallup site about the ROI for investing in strengths. So performance rises significantly. And I, you know, I don't have those numbers right at the top of my head. You can look them up, but it's roughly like 66% 
performance rises, profitability rises. And, and the big one right now that's on everybody's mind because um, we're running into a talent shortage. And so one of the big ones is engagement rises significantly. Because when here's what I've seen that happens when people understand what their own contribution is, their best contribution, and they understand that they can, they're, they're in an organization that cares about them developing and growing. You know, all the, all the research is showing that millennials especially want to be in a place where they can grow. That's, that's huge for them. And it's huge for a lot of us. You have learner number one. That's huge for you. It is um, huge for me. Yes. And so when people see that and it makes them feel good about what they do, about what they bring to the table, their confidence rises. And when somebody's confidence rises, the game that they play is elevated because then they're not worried about how they appear to everybody. They know that they're valued. They, they, I mean, we, we teach things like one of the tools that we use is ICU acknowledgement. And so it's like, if I were to, to see how somebody in my team really went out of her way to make the new people on the team or the new people joining the organization feel welcome and included, I might acknowledge her publicly for that and say, you know, um, Julie, the way you make the newcomers get up to speed and comfortable is awesome and the impact on me is that i feel such a sense of safety about putting them in your hands and knowing that they're going to be up and running quickly and they're going to feel really good about having joined our organization it's just worth everything so thank you in publicly and when people start doing that that whole collaboration, remember when we talked about at the apex of that triangle working interdependently, it changes people at a very fundamental level. And what I'm seeing with my top executives, because my sort of my sweet spot is working from the director level up to the C-suite. And what I'm hearing from them is that it's changing their families because when they learn to do this and they learn to do strength spotting, which is a skill that we teach, when they learn to recognize that in their colleagues, they go home and they bring that to their wives and their husbands and their children. And those relationships are changing. So talk about a, a big shift in the world. This is really creating a lot of positive ripples for people. That's very powerful. And who doesn't like to be acknowledged for something that you're, you enjoy and are good at inherently Yeah, making an impact. Yeah. It makes you feel like a million bucks, you know, and as everybody learns to do that in a, on your team and they take it home, their relationships with their children change and their children's confidence rises. So it's, it's just a, it's a win, win, win. It's, it's an investment that pays for itself many times over. So just for someone um, who might be wondering, they make the decision um, to do, to go through a strengths finder, have their team do it, whatever size that is, they agree on it. Um, but maybe they're an activator. So they've made the decision. They're just going to do it. What is the best way to roll 
an initiative like this out so that it does feel safe and um, exciting for people? I think it, it, it operates best when the, the top leadership takes it first and they get an understanding and then everybody starts to, to understand it together. But it doesn't have to be that way because it's not always that way. I mean, that's the ideal, right? But I have seen, like, for example, I've seen some of our local colleges roll it out with students. And then the effect on this, those students was so powerful that the administrators started saying, wait a minute, what's happened here? And it, so it, it trickles up, you know, I mean, it, it has a profound effect on everybody. So there's no reason to say, well, they, you know, the boss or whoever doesn't want to do it. There's nothing really that would stop you from doing it, benefiting, if nothing else, how you show up and your family and your friends. Right. Um, and then kind of having that um, ripple effect. Right. And, you know, I mean, to, to unlock your 34 strengths from the Gallup Center now, I think it's $49. I can't think of a better investment than to understand yourself and the contribution that you bring to your family, to your church, if you, if you have a church affiliation, to your community, than understanding how you can contribute best, you know, what you naturally are gifted and strong at. So Terry, that's been a lot of great information. And for folks who want to get busy doing something right now? Maybe they've taken it, maybe they haven't, but what's something concrete that our summit attendees can do today to start moving forward and understanding their strengths, their team strengths? Well, they can reach out to me if they'd like to, if they'd like to have a conversation about their top strengths, they can reach me on LinkedIn. They can email me at Terry, T-E-R-I, at personalbestpartners.com. Or if they lead other people, if they're in a position where they lead a team or they manage a team, they could join us starting in January. We start our second season of Manager Mondays. And you can register for that on Eventbrite. There's no cost. And a group of coaches like me comes on and talks about issues that managers face and how strengths helps that, ameliorates that, helps people grow, and gives them real hands-on tools to uh, help people rise to their best possible performance. And is that an ongoing um, registration? So if I'm listening to this and it's July, um, can I still hop on or is that time limited? No, you can, you can hop on. Yeah, it's, we went from February until right before Christmas this year. That was our first season. And it was great fun. And we, you know, it was fueled by lots of response from audience members, questions that people had. What do I do when this happens? So hands-on um, help from executive coaches that are, have a strong base and strengths. Perfect. Thank you very much for contributing to the Assess for Success Summit, because as you noted, there's a tight labor market and we need to keep great talent growing so that they feel appreciated and stay in place to impact the nonprofit community and ultimately the world. 
Thank you, Sarah. I so appreciate the opportunity to get to talk about this today. If, if one person gets inspired and goes out and has their assessment, it makes me happy. You've been listening to the No Labels, No Limits podcast with best-selling author, change agent, and strategic vision coach, Sarah Box. You can grab the show notes and find out how to work with Sarah at sarahbox.com forward slash no labels, no limits podcast. We'd love this podcast to reach as many people as possible. So please remember to rate, leave a five-star review and share the podcast with someone you think would get value from this conversation. Until next time, keep taking those daily action steps to align your purpose to your principles and achieve your goals in business and life.